I want to begin with just the statement of this. Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to all of you. Those who are a part of Capital City Church, and again, even those maybe who are not, grace and peace to you during this time. If you are with us now and you don't know me, my name is Matthew Martinez. I am the lead elder slash pastor of Capital City Church, and um, it really is a joy this morning to be standing here in front of you all, um, as you're probably in a cozy space in your home, bringing you the word of the Lord. Even though I cannot see all of your beautiful faces, I am picturing them right now in my mind, each and every one of you. Those of you who sit over here, those of you who sit here, those of you who sit there, even the people who sleep during service on Sunday, I'm picturing you now dozing off on your couch. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, this will be hard. If I make a joke, there's no one to laugh at it, so I don't know how the joke goes over, if it falls flat on its face or not. I'll have to rely on you guys out there to give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down if it was a good joke. Uh, what a tremendous week that we have had together this, this last week, wasn't it? It was, it was just six days ago that um, we all were together here in this building, uh, of course, under 250, and um, we gathered to worship, we gathered to praise the name of the Lord Jesus, and it feels like Every day since then, at least in the four or five days that followed last Sunday, it was just one change after another, and it, you could just kind of feel the vice tightening little bit by little bit each and every day. And so now here we are today, um, finally achieving the transcendency that man has so longed and sought, uh, the digital airwaves of modernity. Um, we've arrived, we've made it, and as I said to those of you who are a part of the church in regards to our tithes, it only took a pandemic to get us to jump fully into the modern age. So here we are, streaming today with what we have available, and um, I really am glad to be able to bring the Word of God because it's the Word of God that we need in times like these. It's the truth that we need to stabilize and to anchor our souls and our hearts and our minds and our families. And um, this is what we need. It isn't this, it's this. And so I'm, I'm privileged today to stand up here and to open this with you and to mind truth, asking the Lord by His Spirit to speak to us and to lead us into a place of peace and hope. And so I'm, I am um, hoping today that what we can do is just bring a sense of encouragement this morning. Um, as I was considering everything around it, it felt like it would be good this week to pause our series on the Holy Spirit and to instead um, just bring a word of encouragement from the Lord Jesus Christ from His Word. So I'm going to do that today, and um, I'm going to be in, the, in 1 Peter, and we'll look at the text in a moment. But before we do, I just want to say a few things as it pertains to these times and today that we're living within um, I think if we stop for a minute, it's not hard to imagine because we ourselves, um, we can think of the millions, literally millions of people right now who are isolated, some of which are quarantined, um, those who are, are homebound, some who are possibly even afraid for their health. Um, there's others who are afraid and uncertain of the long-term economic ramifications of what these times hold for us as as a nation, and of course globally as well. And, and in all of that, we're desperately trying to maintain some semblance 
and, and a sense of control over something, when we feel things kind of slipping through our grasp, if you will, our natural reaction is to try to hold onto them even more tightly. And some of us are experiencing that right now as things seemingly, although not so much I feel like today, but within this last week as things felt like they were just kind of spiraling out of our control. What was our natural reaction but to try to cling to them, I think, at times uh, more firmly. And it's in these times that the reality becomes unmistakably apparent. The reality is this, that we are not in control. You are not in control. I am not in control. And that's an important truth to hold on to this morning. Because the reality is, who is? There is someone who is. Earth is not just spinning uncontrollably at a rapid pace towards destruction. But instead, God, the sovereign Lord, the King of heaven and earth, controls all things today. And so I ask you today, as you search for a semblance of control in your life, where does your hope lie today? Where have you placed your faith? What have you put stock in? Have you placed it into the right things? Or perhaps have you placed it in something that is subject to decay and to rot? Is our hope today in our civic leaders? I think we have to ask ourselves that question. Is it in our civic leaders? Is it in our governmental agencies? Are we placing our hope today in the president and his cabinet? Or perhaps the WHO and the, the other global health agency leaders, um, the, those who are the you know, authoritatives uh, on, on the, the epidemiologists and those who, you know, whatever they call the specialists of viruses, you, you get the point. Are we putting our hope in people and places and systems such as that? Or perhaps it's in the FDA in hopes that they'll get more test kits out for us. It's in moments of crisis like these where perhaps even for some of us our thoughts go to the real extreme. All of you who are into the Bilderberg group and the QAnon and you know, whatever else kind of global uh, power is at work behind the scenes working something towards its ultimate goal. But this morning I think again what we need to do is we need to anchor our hearts in what is true. Let's anchor our hearts regardless of where we are on that spectrum Let's anchor our hearts in what is true today. Let's tie ourselves to the mast of the ship that is not sinking and will not sink, that is the one who always was and always will be. Colossians chapter 1, I want to read this. Colossians 1, verses 15 through 18, just as, again, we're seeking to anchor ourselves to some truth this morning. Colossians 1, 15 says this, And if we do this right, it's going to pop up on the monitor for you. Reading from the ESV, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him and all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. Say that with me. All things were created through him and for him. Again, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. 
And in him all things hold together. All things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Lord, we praise you for your word today. So we remind ourselves today that it is God who, as Hebrews says, upholds the universe by the word of his power. Or as Isaiah would write, he has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. This is the God who is in control today. This is the Lord who is working all things according to his will and according to his purpose. So what does that mean then? Does it mean that he creates sickness, that he spreads disease, or that he causes death? I say to you today, by no means is that the implication. The Bible teaches us that the created earth itself lives beneath the weight of sin caused by mankind. Therefore sickness, therefore death. Therefore, this epidemic, all of it, is because of the effects of sin. But God is in control, using all things to the praise of his glory. So we don't look at God and we don't shake our fists at him and try to pick a fight. Instead, we know that all things, that in all things, God is at work and is in control. We know that in his wisdom, he allows circumstances to take place to bring about his ultimate goal, the revealing of himself to mankind. That is what God is about in this moment. Revealing him himself to mankind. That as many as possible would believe upon him and would know him. If you were with us last week when we gathered together, I presented to you the question that Peter poses in 2 Peter Chapter 3, just after describing what will ultimately be the final stages of this created earth. And he goes through and he talks about the, the end of days and what will literally happen to this natural earth. And then he says all of these things and he poses the question in his letter and he says, in light of these things, in light of the decay, in light of the ultimate destruction, in light of, of, of things just ultimately spinning to their end. In light of these things, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? In light of these things, what sort of people ought you to be in holiness and godliness? In other words, the question for us today, for those of you who are watching this, the question is this. As Christians, what is our response to what is happening around us? What is our response? We must have a response. There is an appropriate response. So today what I'd like to do is look at three things that Peter tells us in his first letter. We'll be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, which is the proper response to that question. In light of these things, what type of people ought we to be in lives of godliness and holiness? And Peter answers that question in his first letter in chapter 1. And I want to do this. If, if you've not believed in Jesus to this point, and hopefully some of the, the friends that I've invited to participate in the stream have, that maybe are not, have not put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ are, are watching this today. And I would just say to you, if you've not put your faith in Jesus Christ, I want you to consider that what, that what I say today and what I offer up is the only answer in times like these. It's the only answer that we have. 
for those who believe in Christ Jesus. And if you've not, the invitation is there for you today to find hope and to find peace and to you yourself be a part of the answer that God is bringing about on this earth. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, which I'm sure you do because you're at home and that's where most of us keep our Bibles, um, take your Bible out at this time and turn with me to 1 Peter. Again, we'll put this up on the, on the monitor for you as well um, so you can follow along in case you don't have the ESV. Three things that Peter poses as the answer to the question of what our response ought to be in times like these. I'm going to begin in verse 13, 1 Peter 1, 13. Therefore, and let me just say this, right as I begin, I'll stop. Therefore, there's a reason we've got a saying in this church that what is the therefore, therefore? And I'll look at that more in a moment as we get into it. So we have to understand that the therefore points to something that's already been said. So Peter says this, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. I'm going to read that again because I lost my place while I was reading. and it, I just want to read that for the sake of fluidity. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Again, we ask not to hear from man's wisdom, or even our own human thoughts, but Lord, we seek to hear from you today. Thank you that your spirit is with us right now in each one of our places, dwelling, speaking, moving, Lord God, and we trust that you will teach us and, light us and lead us into truth for the sake of your glorious name. Amen. So I want to concentrate just on verse 13, but the reason I decided to read from 13 through 21 is because of the context of the writer, and, and, and there's movement throughout the entire portion of text that I just read, and plus two, what better way to end a portion of text than on those final words that we read um, as a pertaining that our faith and our hope are in God alone. And so I wanted to end there, but we're going to look here, as I said, three things that I want to pull out of 1 Peter chapter 1.13 that are the response to the question, what types of people or what are the lives that we are to have in response to these days and the moments in which we live in this culture? There's three things that are imperatives from verse 13 that when we put them together, they form the proper response that a believer in Christ Jesus should have in moments of crisis such as the one that we're in today. The three things are this. 
The first one is prepare your minds for action. It's an imperative from Scripture. Prepare your minds for action. The second thing that Peter says is to be sober-minded, which seems like maybe it is similar to the first statement, but we're going to look at what Peter means by that. Prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. And then finally, the third response that Peter gives us is this. Place or set your hope fully on what will be. Prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded and set your hope fully on what will be. The first one, the call here is simple. It's a call for readiness. Preparing our minds for action is a call for readiness. Are we ready today? But readiness in in this sense of calibration and orientation, like you would of a a mechanism or some an engine that you're fine-tuning for optimum performance. You calibrate and, and you and you set that motor to function and to fire at just the right speed. That is what it means to prepare your mind for action here in this text. See, for some of you, for some of us, these last couple of weeks have been a wake-up call. We're faced with questions, again, of where do I put my hope and where is my trust? Is it in my 401k? Or is it in my IRA? Or for those of you who are like the Rothers, like myself, you put it in that sweet, no-interest, tax-deferred Roth IRA. That was a joke. I think you're laughing over there. You'll have to laugh extra loud. Where have we put our hope? Do we put it in our, in our financial well-being? Or for many of you who are affected by these, this mandate to stay within our homes who are self-employed or even just employed in general, where is your hope? Is your hope in the next job that's going to come to feed your family? Or have you perhaps fixed yourselves and your family and anchored your hearts to the one who provides, to the one who gives all according to their needs? We need to calibrate ourselves. We need to orient ourselves and be prepared so that when times like these come, we're ready, we're sharp, and we're fine-tuned. Does our hope lie in the one who provides the work, who provides the retirement, who provides the breath every day to get up and to live and to sow into these financial abilities and into our places of business and into our neighborhoods? See, this crisis that we're faced with, I want to say this, you guys, hear this this morning, please. This crisis that we are faced with is an opportunity. It's not just simply a crisis. It is an opportunity, and how we respond is the difference between whether we see it as such. For some, it's a call to declutter right now and to recalibrate when all we have for some of us is time to do so. Some find ourselves sitting in our homes, enjoying the sunlight in our front yards with our families or our friends at six feet apart. We have time. God's given us time. What are we going to do with it right now? Peter says, prepare your minds for action. Take personal inventory of yourselves and of your family. Shannon and I were watching a about 15 minutes of a show last night because it was so bad, but it was on doomsday preppers. And I was thinking about it this morning. Are we spiritually prepping right now? We see all these things that are happening and, and the doomsday preppers, you know, they've been going for years. Are we spiritually prepping our lives and our families at this time? It's an opportunity right now, perhaps, for some of us to repent. There's sin 
that we've been in in cycles over and over and over again, God is calling us to be ready. God is calling us to use this time to recalibrate and to orient ourselves to him. Maybe it's unbelief that we're experiencing. Maybe it's a, a lack of faith because of where our hope lies, etc., etc., etc. Whatever it is, this is the point of, as I've already said, the time is now. Let's not waste the opportunity. This is not a crisis. This is an opportunity if the church would arise. Peter's expression here in this statement of preparing your minds for action, the literal translation of this statement is this, gird up the loins of your mind, which may not seem a whole lot more helpful, but here's where it comes from. Centuries and centuries ago, centuries and centuries ago, in preparation for work or for travel, men would tie up or bind the loose garments that they were wearing close to their bodies with a leather strap or, or a belt in order to fasten them to keep them from becoming impediments to their movement. So now the, the picture becomes a little bit more clear what Peter is saying to do. It, it's, it's this same thing that the writer of Hebrews would say in Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 1 when he says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what does he say? Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Some translations say, let us put aside those things that hinder us, the weight and the sin. This is the same idea here. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be prepared for action. Take that which impedes you. Take that which hinders you and cast it off or put it aside or fasten it up so that you might be ready. Ready for what? Two questions arise. What is the action that we are to be prepared for? And what are the hindrances that we're called to cast off? Well, the action is very simple. If we are not prepared, the church will not act according to what she's called to be. A vessel of hope, a vessel of peace, a vessel of presence. Your homes today, are they vessels of peace? Are they vessels of presence? Are they vessels of hope? Ready yourselves, prepare yourselves for what may be. Today our call is to secure the loose ends which only trip us up and to place our lives in the hands of the Creator God who sustains everything by the word of His power. And the action that we're called to is the race of the Christian life. It's the readiness to speak the message of hope in a world of hopelessness. To instill and live in peace when turmoil pervades our community. To strengthen yourselves so that you might be a strength to others. That's what Peter is calling us to. That's the response of the Christian life. That is what it means to prepare ourselves and to prepare our minds for action. Secondly, he says this, be sober-minded. And I want to say this, if we've not engaged in the first, then the second is not attainable. If we haven't prepared ourselves, then sobriety of mind is not the, the, the logical result. The recalibration towards God of, of preparing our minds for action towards the eternal things of significance that he's calling us to, it helps us and setting our minds on the right things, on the heavenly things, as Paul instructs in Colossians chapter 3. While this too is for readiness, but it's a different sort of readiness. This readiness assumes the recalibration of the first and adds to it. 
a prioritization and a preparation of everything else now. Not just our spiritual man, not just our minds. It's almost like you're taking a position in the first. It's like, a, a what do they call that? A ready position. What sport is that? It's baseball. Ready position. If you're an infielder, you take a ready position, you're like this. Now what is it? Now you're ready in your sober-mindedness to take that which comes towards you, to feel that ground ball and to make the play as is required and as is necessary. Sober-mindedness is, is a call to being temperate, to showing self-restraint. Sober-mindedness is a call to being calm, collected in spirit. It's the characteristic of having control over oneself and over one's emotions. What clearer call could we be brought to today than this in light of this? Sober-mindedness is not being prone to really high highs and really low lows. Can we believe today, if, if you struggle in this area, to strive for this because the grace of God is present for you? We are not called to this as believers, but we're called to this. It's stabilizing, not because we've got it figured out, because the grace of God, it's the Spirit of God within us, and it's the grace of God that pervades our life that causes us to live and enables us to live in such a way. And so for you today, if this is something that you struggle in, the grace of God is present for you. Ask Him to show you. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to stabilize you. Panic buying is not the response of a sober-minded Christian. A sober mind results in a sober life. The way we think affects the way that we act. Peter is saying, be calm. Show self-restraint. Do not succumb to the highs and to the lows. Because why? Of what I said in the beginning. Because God is in control. Because all things are at work by His power, sustained by His power, all of them working together in according to His perfect, can I say that again, His perfect will. The perfect will that He has today for us. The inference in this be sober-minded now is a discernment and a perceiving of what is happening around us. When we're calm, when we're when we're temperate, when we're collected in spirit, now we're able to be perceptive of what God is doing. And we talked about this last week as well, that we can hear God. The call is this, do not be dissipated in your spirits, church. Do not be deluded in your spirit by the spirit of the age. As a Christian, these circumstances that we find ourselves in should bring us to great sobriety, should bring us to great reliance, to greater faith, to more apparent joy, to louder hope, and to more prevailing peace. That should be the result of these circumstances such as the one that we find ourselves in in this cultural moment. Do not be dissipated. Do not be deluded. Be sober-minded. Failure in such causes us to be like the dog that chases its tail around and around and again as though the tail were something that wasn't attached to his own body. 
as if, as if, as if it's the ultimate thing to be attained. When we don't have sobriety of mind and we are not in a place of peace and where the peace of God is not pervasive in our life, causing stability by His grace, then we are just like the dog that chases its tail, seeking something that we will never ultimately attain outside of Christ. So last week in, when I read from Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I read where Paul says that we have the mind of Christ. What a profound statement. That we have the mind of Christ. Today, you have the mind of Christ if you are a believer and have put your faith in Jesus. And what is the significance of that? We have the mind of Christ because we have the Spirit of God that dwells within us. And as Paul says in the 2 Corinthians text, that it's the Spirit of God that searches the deep things of God. It's the Holy Spirit that searches the deep things of God. And we have that same Spirit within us. And if we have His Spirit, then we know His will. And if we know His will, then we can align ourselves and our will with His. Which, let me say, is this. That is God's will for us. If we have His Spirit, then we know His will. And if we know His will, then we can align ourselves with it. And that is the will of God, that we would align our will with His so that we might walk according to how he's called us to in this day and age. Being sober-minded indicates a stabilizing that is resultant of the knowledge of truth. It's a result of understanding what Scripture says, of understanding what is true, what God says now about this moment. Sober-mindedness comes because we've anchored ourselves in that which does not change and that which is not shaken. We're anchored in the fact that it is God who is at work in all things, bringing about the finality of His will on earth through Jesus Christ. And can I just say this again? If you today have found yourself here listening to these words that I'm saying and you do not believe in Jesus Christ, then consider that perhaps these circumstances that you are experiencing and enduring today are for this very purpose, that God is bringing you to the end of yourself and the beginning of himself. That would be the will of God in all of this. If you are not in Christ, he has brought you in all of the circumstances of uncertainty, perhaps the friction that it's caused in your relationships, perhaps the deficit that has left you in your bank account, the depletion of your savings, the anxiety of your children as they watch you walk through this. All of this is not for naught. It is God bringing you to the end of yourself in the beginning of Him. And He's inviting you to, again, strap yourself to the mass of the ship that never sinks and never fails. So, the call again, prepare your mind for action is the first. Be sober-minded Peter says is the second. And the third one is this. Set your hope fully on what will be. The other translations of this verse say, fix your hope fully. Place it. Focus it. Stabilize it too. Not just partially, but fully. Set your hope fully on what will be. See, as, as those of us who are Christians, we know this so well. The Christian life is a life that is lived now in light of what will be. 
Stabilizing comes because we know what the end result is because the Word of God has revealed it to us. We know what will be. I'm a big sports fan. I love basketball. I love baseball. I'm a Kings fan. And when I watch the Kings, I love watching Kings games when I know that they're going to win. Because what happens, it gives me hope in the middle of the game, which always happens at the end of the first quarter or the beginning, or the end of the first half or the beginning of the third quarter, where the other team goes on a big, massive run. But what do I do? In those moments, I anchor myself to what I already know to be true, that the Kings win. And I'm not joking. I actually really enjoy watching the games when I know that they're going to win because it gives me hope and it gives me security when they're losing like they do so often and play so terribly. See, this is, this is the, maybe a, a, a kind of off-the-cuff analogy here, but that's the life of a Christian. We know what will be because it's been revealed to us, because we understand, because of the, we, we have been given the Spirit of God, which reveals truth to us. And it isn't just so that we might hold that truth, but it's in these moments, like right now, that we would be dispensers of truth to those who are around us. It's given to us that we might give it away. But the Christian life is lived now in light of what will be. We know what will be. One day God will return. One day God will judge each one of us for all of the actions and all of the things and the priorities and where we've placed our affections and the things that we've labored for in this life. All of them will be made known and we will be accountable for each and every work that we put our hands to. But the hope of the Christian is that because we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, His work, His perfect work, His completed work, His eternal work will never fade, will never deteriorate, and will never be lost. And the final outcome that's promised within Scripture is our hope today. That is what it is to place our hope fully on what will be, on what God promises to us within Scripture. In the beginning of verse 13, as I said, there's a therefore that is predicated on everything that he said before it in verses 3 through 9. And just in light of this future hope, I want to look at this text today, and I want to read it right now. So look at, again, at 1 Peter, just back beginning in verse 3. And again, we're going to see what is this future hope that Peter is calling us to fix ourselves to fully. Listen to this, how he begins his letter, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Listen to the language. Something that God has done through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. This is our future hope. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you. And what is the next promise? Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice now. Though now for a little while, if necessary, what? We have been grieved by various trials. So that what, Peter? The tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in the praise 
and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ so that the tested genuineness of faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then he says this, though you have not seen him, you love him. Your faith, your hope is fixed fully upon him. Though you not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Brothers and sisters, what is our response today? It is to live a life of inexpressible joy in the face of various trials. Because why? Because our faith is being tested and proven genuine. And when tested and proven genuine, it speaks to our hearts of the surety of what is for us as believers, the ultimate and final salvation of our souls. If you do not have that today, it can be yours in Jesus Christ. Hear him today as he calls you to place your faith in him, to receive from him this hope, this faith, this peace, this inexpressible joy. So what is our response today? Prepare our minds for action, be sober-minded, and set your hope fully on what will one day be. Ready ourselves in reorientation, which enables us to ready ourselves to hear and to listen, which enables us for a readiness to speak and to act and to live outwardly the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I want to leave you all with this today. Paul says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16. Now, and I speak this to you just today, I speak this over us as a church and as Christians and as those of us who maybe again are struggling. In light of everything that I have said today, Paul says this, Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ comfort your heart and establish it today in every good work and word. And may it result in the praise of his glorious grace. Amen? I want to pray for us, and then I would like just to do this. I want to encourage you, before you just click off and go about your days, if you're gathered alone, or if you are gathered um, with family or, or whatever small group you're with at this moment, take a minute and don't move on too quickly from this, but use this moment to pray for each other, to hear each other in everything that I've just said. Maybe there is an area here that is a struggle for you at this time. Maybe you need that, that recalibration. Maybe you heard the Lord speak to you in that, that man, I, I've had my, my eyes fixed on the temporal rather than on the eternal, and I need to recalibrate that right now. Or maybe it's that sobriety of mine where, man, I'm finding myself in these really high highs and really low lows, and I need that, I, I need that, that spiritual calm, that, that spiritual collectedness. Or maybe you, you're just living, you're finding yourself living each day in a bit of uncertainty because you haven't anchored yourself and you need to remind yourself today of where your hope is fixed. Take a minute. Take five minutes. Take ten minutes. Don't rush. You've got nowhere to go. You're stuck where you are. Take this time 
and hear each other. Share with one another. And if you're alone, use our community platform. We have our Realm platform, or you could put it in the stream chat right now if you want. But, but don't move too quickly. Let's hear God in this, you guys. Our response as believers is when we hear truth is to respond to it. And so because we value a culture and we want to build a culture of response, take a minute and respond. Be vulnerable. You're with family. You're with loved ones. Be vulnerable. Share. What are your weaknesses? What are your fears? Where do you need to be strengthened? And then find yourself again in faith, coming in prayer. Allow the Spirit of God to build you and strengthen you. May you guys be blessed this week. I look forward to doing this again with you all. Um, Again, I would say I would encourage you to stay connected. Keep up with one another. Um, Take a minute again, too, as you're praying at the end of this. Let's pray for other churches. We have many churches that we know. Our friends at Southlands um, in Chino, they're displaced. In Brea, they're displaced. They're streaming. I mean, everybody's streaming in California right now, but our our friends at Mercy Commons in Fullerton, um, they're out of their building completely. They're having to just... Um, they were meeting at the Y and they're having to scramble. And so let's think of those other churches and let's pray for strength of the church in, in general across this globe right now. Also, too, take a minute and pray for the medical workers, would you please? We have many uh, friends and family. We have some within our community here who are medical workers. Let's pray for them, that they would be encouraged, strengthened, be maintained and kept healthy all the while. And let's pray for other countries as well. Pray for Italy, pray for China, pray for the other countries that have been ravaged by this, and let's stir our faith and allow the Lord to move us into action today. May the grace of God be with you, and I just pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would go, Father, send us in faith today. Let us be vessels again of presence, faith, hope, and peace, and inexpressible joy, Lord God, to our communities for the sake of your glorious grace. In the name of Jesus, amen. Go and be blessed, go in the grace of God. And we'll see you guys next week.